It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration makes the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So we're on episode 70. I know. Which is a pretty impressive. <laughs> I know. Well, a lot of episodes back there. And hopefully we're getting a little better with right. each one. Right. But, um, hopefully, in air quotes. <laughs> um, so anything fun or exciting happened the last uh, You know, not week? really, but I've been just kind of doing some or- cleaning and organizing. Oh and that just feels good. Yeah. I think it started with Lucy working on her room, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of progressed to other places. I, just, I have been so been into, and I know I told you about the Lazy Genius. Okay, yeah, I haven't checked that out. Oh, my gosh. She's brilliant as far as, like, household stuff okay. with being a genius about the things that matter. Right, right. And lazy about the things that don't. So she has a really good podcast and an even better book. So, okay, I'll have to check, yeah. out, check that out. My husband Ryan was telling about a story he heard on NPR about a dad, Stuart Duncan, who started Autcraft, a Minecraft server where kids with autism can play freely. Stuart is a single dad from Timmins, Ontario, Canada, and he loves playing with his two children. His oldest son has autism, and Minecraft was a way for the three of them to play together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so cool. My kids played when they were younger. Did yours? Were they um, in Minecraft? They, at times, um, sometimes. <laughs> still do. Right? Still does. Yeah. With his yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, yeah. It's pretty, yeah. It's like Legos, but video game. Right. Or Tetris. Right. It's kind of, it's or benign Mario, in a sense. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, um, I have to admit, I've never played. Well, I mean, I haven't played either, but that's what it looks, <laughs> what it looks like. like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stuart was frustrated that the other kids were mean to his son and other kids with autism on the public Minecraft servers. And he'd heard feedback from many other parents and wanted to do something about it. So he decided to create a place where kids with autism and their family members could play just and be just themselves. Back in 2010, he initially shared the idea on Facebook with the smallest of friends, thinking it would be limited interest. But actually, uh, within 48 hours, he received 750 emails. Within eight days, he had... Within an... 750 emails within 48 hours. That's what I thought. Wow. And then within eight days, he had to upgrade his server uh, to <laughs> to meet with meet up with the demand. I guess that's a good problem. I know. I mean, it's really great. He also started a blog, Autism from a Father's Point of View. And anyone that wants to join must submit an application. There are rules here, too. No killing nor attacking avatars, as well mm-hmm. as destroying or stealing other virtual properties forbidden. And any sneaky trolls or bullies that make their way through Stuart's strict vetting process quickly <laughs> identifies and bans them. There's a lot more to Autcraft servers so that kids feel especially safe. And at any time they need um, help or someone to talk to, that being Stuart, he's he's there awesome. all the time. And he's heard many you know, positive stories from players and parents. Um, he heard that nonverbal kids were beginning to speak. He heard uh, some kids were starting to make friends at school because they were learning how to socialize more, you know, as a result of playing on the server. So after six months, kids were, you know, opening up to him while playing um, because they felt so comfortable. And it got to the point where Stuart was talking to two kids per week. 
who were suicidal and they were being bullied and they felt like they didn't fit in. I just mm-hmm. love this man's mm-hmm. heart. Then all this time on the server Sur- started to interfere with Stewart's regular gig as a web developer. <laughs> but however, it was totally worth it. And mission is free. He does accept donations to kind of keep mm-hmm. it going. I love this quote. Stuart says, I encourage them to be the best person they can be and not be ashamed of any part of themselves. Which I just love that. I love that. And I love the good use of video games. Totally. Totally good use. I mean, and so now the server has grown to more than 15,000 wow. users. And he's still working as a web developer. Now he writes several for several websites, such as Autism Speaks, and he does TED Talks. Oh, so cool. it's kind of cool. And I just love this. On Valentine's Day, um, he hosts this love and kindness event. It does it annually where friends and family are invited to come at Spawn. I had to ask what Spawn is. I guess that's like the town center. You kind of meet oh, up uh-huh. on Minecraft for fun and games, oh, collectibles. Cute. They had special music and new map art, a fun collectible head. Um, they also were doing, but I just what a neat way to build community, help create yeah. safe place for autistic children to play and socialize, and plus bring awareness to autism. You know, his kids have to be so proud of their dad. Yeah, too. totally. Yeah. Just Good love, guy. Love it. I have admired Trevor Noah for a long time. I was sad to see Jon Stewart leave The Daily Show, but when Trevor Noah took over, it eased the pain a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I love both of those guys, but there are very few people I'll go see live for a stand-up performance because it often isn't really my thing with, you know, a lot of times it's pretty crass and they use swearing as punctuation instead of (laughs) cleverly placed spots to make a point. Right. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld... John Oliver and Trevor Noah are on a short list of comedians I've actually seen perform live. But, and if the guy from Travels with My Father, have you seen that show? I've not. Oh my gosh. What? You and Ryan need to watch okay. that. It's so good. What's that on? Just, um, okay. I think it's on Netflix. All right, cool. We'll check um, that out. Anyway, yes. Like tonight. Okay. It's that good. It's that good. So, okay. Um, Skip catching up on the Ozarks. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) If they come to Portland, though, I will be adding that to my list. Yeah, I just think he's too funny. But we definitely need more laughter in the world, for sure. I've taken a long, long break from Facebook and The Daily Show just because things in the world got too real. Right. People have just been so mean. And I just didn't think anything related to heartache and suffering could make me laugh ever. But after reading Trevor Noah's Born a Crime, I have a whole new take on heartache and I humor. I love the title. I'm curious. I know. It's, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book. I early ordered his book back in 2016. I mean, I love, yeah. love, love Trevor Noah. I love Noah doing that, that, though. But when did you get Did you get it? So, yeah, yeah. I got it then. Okay. Because sometimes you don't. Sometimes it can oh. be like a year or so out or oh, two years. No. I've or- I ordered oh, really? Bob Goff's book and it's like a year. Out. I mean, I think it's just coming uh. out now, but it, Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah. I have a magazine that I get. I won't name it, but it comes after I see it on the at the check stand. Okay. So, like, what's the point of that? But, yeah. But anyway, I got the book, and then life happened. The political discord in our country broke my heart. Oh, I was diagnosed yeah. with breast cancer, yeah. and life just kind of took me on a different path. 
But fast forward to 2022, and I finally cracked open that book from 2016. And then I had a hard time putting it down. It inspired me to watch a stand-up special, Trevor Noah, son of Patricia. And I got to say, I'm finally feeling strong enough again to watch The Daily Show. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. Good. I wish I hadn't waited so long. This book was unbelievably sad, and I mean unbelievably, but left me with so much hope and joy that I think every adult should read it. I, You know, I often bore my fitness classes with my latest read, giving them a brief cliff note version. And I was happy to hear that a high school in our area is reading the book. Oh, cool. I know that we talk on our podcast about inspiring things, but the vast majority of the times, you know, we have stories, they start out with anything but positivity. They're not, they don't seem to be inspirational at the start. Most of our finds begin with pain and suffering, followed with the will to carry on, survive, and even thrive after the mess. I watched a TED Talk uh, recently that noted a happiness study with a group of people who had won the lottery and a group that had lost a limb. The study showed that after five years, both groups were pretty much at the same level in terms of happiness, which stuck with me. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So Trevor Noah didn't lose an arm or leg, but that doesn't mean he hasn't suffered. Looking at him, he appears to have it all. Beautiful accent. I mean, it's just mesmerizing to listen to him. (laughs) He has a big, you know, infectious smile and ability to make people laugh and an extremely comfortable lifestyle. But the stories he tells of his childhood have definitely left scars They just aren't ones that you can see. Right. So much of this book is about his mother and their relationship, which he described as very much Tom and Jerry esque. (laughs) He said Tom and Jerry, but um, which was just adorable. His mom was a very strict disciplinarian, and Trevor was a naughty kid, which resulted in Trevor getting a lot of spankings. He full on admits to his naughtiness. He took apart projectors in school, you know, as a type of prank. Right. He loved to do pranks. He loved to burn things, just not to be, not to destroy things, but right. just curiosity. Yeah. I think a lot of kids are that. I mean, I think they're so wired too. that way. Yeah. They want to check stuff out. So he, he liked to burn stuff with his, you know, with carve things with wood, with a magnifying glass, with the sun. Um, just because he loved to make fire. And in so many ways, he sounds like my dad and my <laughs> uncle growing up. My dad told me, my poor uncle, to jump off the roof of their house Aww. with an umbrella. And he wow. said that it would open up like in the movie Mary Poppins. Aww. So my poor uncle, who's yeah. like four years younger than my dad, believed oh him and he gosh. did it. One time they were playing um, hide and go seek and my dad peeked, <laughs> saw my uncle hiding in the dryer while they were playing. And instead of winning, he decided to turn on the dryer. Oh, no. I know. My dad was terrible. But this book is filled with those types of stories. I, those are so fun, though. <laughs> Things that, that really make you question how mischievous little, you know, kids, boys survive childhood. Dangerous lifestyle and destructive, for sure. Trevor damaged a school piano when he put um, a fire extinguisher oh. in the keys. He accidentally burned down a house. Oh, my god! When he was playing with a friend. They were playing with a magnifying glass. They left it, you know, on the old right. mattress, and the sun just started wow. the fire, burned down the entire house. He argued with his school about being able to partake in communion. They told him he couldn't because he was, wasn't Catholic, and Trevor replied back that neither was Jesus. 
So one day, his naughty side got the better of him, and he went and drank all the grape juice and crackers that were intended for communion. Right. And when he was punished with a beating, basically, he was laughing at the school principal. When they spoke to his mother about this, she sided with Trevor for the most part. He should be able to partake in communion, and he wouldn't have laughed with his spanking had they disciplined him properly. Right. So she was yeah. basically saying, you didn't do it hard. Well, I, right, I don't right. know. But oh. she noted that Trevor never laughed when she spanked him. Yeah. While the stories made me laugh out loud at times, it sounds like little Mr. Noah was quite a terror. I think he came by it naturally. His mother was her mother's own problem child. She was a tomboy, stubborn and defiant. From the stories of his childhood, I would say the apple didn't fall far (laughs) from the tree. In adulthood, his mother was as religious as she was stubborn, he said. Trevor Noah grew up in a world run by women, so it's no wonder he has such an appreciation for girl power. Which, after seeing him here in Portland, just how he talks about women and um, he... He definitely respects women, and That's I awesome. so appreciate that. And admires them. Yeah. And, you know, it should be mutual. But Trevor Noah was born in South Africa during apartheid at a time when Nelson Mandela was still in prison. I think he was five when okay. Nelson Mandela was released. But the government, when he was born, you know, they had built these black ghettos, basically. And the black labor helped make the wealth in the area that mostly white South Africans enjoyed. Each chapter in this book, he kind of talks, he does a little historical thing. Oh, that's great. He lets you know um, what was happening in the time, and then he goes through his stories. But um, So it was, I can see why the high school's reading it. It's um, a good historical read, too. But they had one such area was called Sowento, and it had a million people living and only two roads in and out. This was planned to quell any rebellions by the people inside. So it also further divided races, religions, you name it, anything that they could use to try to separate people and have them be angry with each other, they tried it. It was especially challenging for Trevor Noah since he had a black mother and a white father making him colored. You know, I say that with air quotes, and not really belonging anywhere. Yeah. So he had to walk on the opposite side of the street as his dad. Because, you know, he couldn't call him daddy, couldn't let anyone know that that was his father. It was dangerous for Trevor as well as his family. There was a time when he was around three years old. He was in the backyard. He dug a hole under the fence and climbed out. He didn't understand the risk he was creating for his family. When his grandmother would tell him to not play outside, that he needed to stay in so no one would take him, he thought she meant, you know, people might kidnap him or steal him. He didn't realize that, that... you know, the police could come, and even that would be messed up if he just was, you know, worrying about that. But but he had no idea that she meant the police could come and take him away and put his mother in jail. <gasps> Trevor's dad, Robert, was 46 and from Switzerland with uh, German descent, and his mother was 24 from South Africa. His mother basically asked him to be a sperm donor. You know, they weren't married at the okay. time. Okay. When he, well, they never got married. When he rejected the offer saying Catholics don't do that, she continued to ask. Finally, you know, he caved, obviously. February 20th, 1984, Trevor was born. His mom was estranged from her family, and she couldn't be seen with the father. As I said, that was was illegal. They couldn't be together at all. So she had Trevor alone, her being the only parent on the birth certificate. 
The doctor noted right away how light the baby was and had all sorts of questions about the father, to which she lied, you know, in order to protect herself and to protect Trevor. She'd wanted a baby to have someone to love her unconditionally. That just broke my heart. Yeah. And, you know, would soon find out that that's not quite how parenting works, especially not when you're given a little troublemaker (laughs) named Trevor Noah. She didn't give him a family name or a name that held any type of predetermined destiny. She wanted him to be able to go anywhere and be anyone he wanted. She was constantly teaching him, taking him to the park, driving to wealthier areas of town to admire the big houses. They just, they spent a lot of time together. And I loved that she didn't stick to the things that black people needed to do. She took him to the drive-in. She took him to do things that white people did, which I just loved her bucking the system, but super brave. Right. Totally. No surprise, the first book that Trevor read was the Bible. (laughs) He grew up going to church four nights a week. Wow. They had three separate churches to attend, the white church, the black church, and the mixed church. Tuesday night, they had a prayer meeting. They um, always wanted Trevor to pray. He prayed in English, so his family was certain that his prayers would be answered. Oh, I know. I was trying to imagine little Trevor praying. As I noted, I had a really hard time putting this book down, and I was reading one day during lunch. It just so happened to be a part about young Trevor deciding that he didn't want to go out in the rain and use the outhouse. So he decided that he'd, you know, use a newspaper mm. inside. Yeah. Okay. Not, not what you want yeah. to be reading about when you're eating lunch. But right. anyway, his great-grandma Coco had horrible cataracts. She was blind, and she'd be, you know, just sitting by the fire all day long. She couldn't see anything. Uh-huh. But could smell Poor something. Gal. I know. I know. <laughs> Quite the existence. She could smell something and kept calling out to find out who was in the house with her, you know, what they were doing. scary, yeah. I'm sure it was. Trevor kept quiet and thought he was in the clear until his mom got home and Coco, you know, shared the story that something or someone was in the house. So they asked Trevor to pray to kill whatever (laughs) was in the house, upsetting poor grandma, you know, great-grandma Coco. The whole while, he knew he was the culprit. Right, right. So Wednesday nights were for Bible study, and his mother preferred the white church as they tended to really dig into the scriptures. Thursday nights he had youth group, giving him Friday and Saturdays off to get into trouble. (laughs) Each of the churches offered different things. One really provided jubilant praise, another uh, um, offered deep analysis of the scripture, and the third was passionate and cathartic. I guess there was a man named Ray who ran the Rima Bible Bible Church. He came in third place the year Arnold Schwarzenegger won Mr. Universe in oh, 1974. Oh, wow. that's a good. I know. I want to go look up that picture. Fact. But Trevor loved the jumbotron and the. He, what, what's the jumbotron? You know the big um, oh. things like at the. Well, I'm assuming it's like at the. Oh, the um, like at a Blazers game. Okay. Or those big. Okay. Um, TVs. Got, oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, he called their worship more like Christian karaoke, <laughs> which I thought was cute. He also loved the white church, Rosebank Union. They had a youth side, so he could go to Sunday school with kids instead of listening to the old school Methodist teachings with what he said, 500 African grannies. Oh, <laughs> So one day, they headed out to the Bright Tangerine Beetle. That was what she, you know, bought the secondhand car to head to church, only it didn't start. He said that one in five times it wouldn't start. So the car wasn't exactly reliable, but 
I'm sure as a kid, when it didn't start that morning for church, he was relieved to have the day off. But no such thing with his mother. <laughs> We'd walk, huh? <laughs> he said they'd take the autobus. Okay. Um, he tried to use it that Jesus must want them to stay home. But she said, Sangela, which I guess is a don't underestimate me, don't undermine me, and try me all in one. So I'm, I might That's start, a good one. I might start it's using that. All encompassing. Yeah, exactly. Um, his mom said the devil didn't want them to go to church. So just another example of how different we can look at things. Perspective right. is totally everything. For and sure. Just pretty funny. Apparently, there is quite the conflict between, as I said, you know, lots of different groups of people, but the Zulu people and the Zosa, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, but when their car wouldn't start, they decided to catch a ride with a minibus. When there wasn't one there, they tried hitchhiking. To make a long story short, there were turf wars with the drivers in particular, and this one was super angry, yelling at Trevor's mom. He said it didn't surprise him that she was, he said that... They were all promiscuous and um, unfaithful. They were terrible women. She wouldn't put up with it, and she asked him to pull over and let them out there. These guys are just yelling back and forth. His mom's not putting up with anything, which would be frightening because... scary. Yeah, exactly. The man sped up instead, and the yelling between them continued. At one point, Trevor's mom... Trevor was sleeping, but... um, she didn't know this. She's like, when I tell you I'm going to open the door and you, I want you to jump out. Wow. So nine-year-old Trevor. Nine-year-old Trevor. What the adventure is <laughs> to go to church. <laughs> Somehow missed it because he was sleeping. Aww. When they rounded a corner, she opened the door and, the, you know, she pushed him out. All the years of chasing Trevor paid off as the man continued to chase them on foot. Once they were safe, Trevor pointed out that um, she didn't have to push him out of a moving car. And his mom asked if he would rather her leave him there to be killed. Remember, he's nine years old, and that's the threat. Yeah, that's pretty scary. As they were catching their breath and waiting for the police, she said, thank God. And he said, no, Mom, this was not thanks to God. You should have listened to God when he told us to stay home when the car wouldn't start. Look, Mom, I know you love Jesus, but maybe next week you could ask him to meet us at our house because this really wasn't a fun night. They stood there laughing, covered in dirt, and, you know, their arms are all bloody, but just grateful to be alive, which I just love that picture. Yeah. As horrible as the situation is, it, it... Definitely impacted him. As I noted, his mom was a fast runner. When he was younger, she could catch him. As he got older and faster, she'd eventually outwit him. He talked about her throwing her shoes off mid-run. Oh, wow. As she, she was serious. She was. And I can totally picture it. His mom would tell him that she beat him because, she, and I'm talking spankings, yeah. because she loved him oh. and was trying to save him, whereas others were beating him to kill him. His mother brought you know, a whole new level to tough love. He went to his dad's once and needed some batteries, and his mom, too frugal, she said they were an extravagance, wouldn't buy batteries. She had told him that if he was ever arrested, she wouldn't bail him out. And she was not fibbing. (laughs) He was caught shoplifting by mall security, and when they called his mom, she told them to arrest him. Wow. They couldn't believe that a mom would say that. You know, about a 10-year-old boy. So I think they felt sorry for him, gave him a slap on the wrist, but he knew that she meant business. She was not going to bail him out. His mother was tough and frugal. We're talking frugal to the point of buying 
Abidas for Trevor. Oh. <laughs> Not Adidas. <laughs> okay, I was like, like what are we wanted, talking about? Yeah. He wanted some sneakers. And when he grumbled that they weren't the Adidas he wanted, that they had four stripes. Okay. Instead of the three, <laughs> she responded back just saying he was lucky to have an extra stripe. So I I love her sense of right. humor and everything, yeah. even though how embarrassing for right. Trevor, all this stuff. But right. He grew out of his clothes really quickly. They didn't have money to buy new clothes. So she decided to buy his uniform like three sizes too big. Oh, no. So that he could grow into it. He noted that Murphy's Law, that was the year he stopped growing. Oh. So here, poor Trevor, he's got, you know... Acne vulgaris, so he's got terrible acne all over. Oh boy. He's got these clown shoes. He's got his uniform that's three sizes too big. Wow. But at the same time, he said he never felt poor with all the rich experiences that his mom gave him. Keep in mind, her Trevor project, that's what I'm calling it, you know, she wanted to have him, took place at a time when no one knew that apartheid would ever end. Right. So she was in this for the long haul, even if. Right. They wouldn't ever... Her really, mental yeah. place was... Yeah. yeah. Fru- she also was frugal with petrol or gas. Trevor said that his mom made a hybrid car before there was even a prototype for oh, hybrids. Wow. She remember the Tangerine Beetle. She knew every hill in between work, school, and home where she could just coast. turn it off and coast. <laughs> Then when they were stuck in traffic, his mom would turn off the car and have Trevor push the car. Like, people are stopping and asking if they need help. And he's like, no, my mom's just doing it. It's our normal drill. (laughs) And as if that wasn't embarrassing enough for strangers to see, he'd often have classmates drive by, too, you know, because they're headed to school. So he opted to leave his school blazer in the car and keep his head down, just praying that no one would recognize him while he's pushing that tangerine beetle. There was one day that Trevor wouldn't stop hounding his mom for a toffee apple. She got to the checkout and said, fine. We've all moms have been there. Right. Like, it just, Let's just do it. it. Yeah. I don't know any other mom that has done this. But Trevor ran back to get the apple only to have her mother disown him at the check stand. Oh. You're not my boy, she kept telling him. You know, and the checker, I guess, went along with it. He was sobbing in part... Because he had gotten his hopes up for the apple, I'm sure. Right. But more so because his mom was saying, you know, that this colored boy, that was what she called him, didn't belong to her. You know, she was black. Talk about a hard lesson. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know I couldn't be that tough. After that incident, their dialogue became more courtroom drama. Between seven and eight years old, they would write letters to each other. And I just wanted to read you a couple of these because they're way too funny. Dear Trevor, children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Colossians 3.20 There are certain things I expect from you as my child and as a young man. You need to clean your room. You need to keep the house clean. You need to look after your school uniform. Please, my child, I ask you, respect my rules so that I may also respect you. I ask you now, please go and do the dishes and do the weeds in the garden. Yours sincerely, Mom. Then he would respond. To whom it may concern, dear mom, I have received your correspondence earlier. I am delighted to say that I am ahead of schedule on the dishes and I will continue to wash them in an hour or so. Please know that the garden is wet and so I cannot do the weeds at this time, but please be assured this task will be completed by the end of the weekend. Also, I completely agree with what you're saying with regard to my respect levels and I will maintain my room to a satisfactory standard. 
Yours truly, Trevor. Dear Trevor, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs 22.15. Your school marks this term have been very disappointing, and your behavior in class continues to be disruptive and disrespectful. It's clear from your actions that you do not respect me. You do not respect your teachers. Learn to respect the women in your life. The way you treat me and the way you treat your teachers will be the way you treat other women in the world. Learn to buck the trend now, and you'll be a better man because of it. Because of your behavior, I'm grounding you for one week. There will be no television and no video games. Yours sincerely, Mom. Which he loved video yeah. games. I, I just Aww. love that for a while it was totally yeah. professional. Right. Like they were, yeah, sounded they were commun- like it. Yeah. <laughs> communicating. One of the best stories was Trevor and a friend celebrating Guy Fawkes Day. Also known as Bonfire Night. I had to look that up. It's held November 5th to celebrate the failure of the gunpowder plot of 1605. Okay. They have serious history over there. We don't have anything that old. They had emptied all the gunpowder the boys had, Trevor and his friend, to make the ultimate firework. And something happened. It went off. He ran into the house with his face still hot from the explosion. no. have his mom ask if he was playing with fire, to which he denied. She told him that Jesus exposed the lies he told and sent him to the bathroom to see what she meant. He looks in the mirror. You know, he's covered in soot. His eyebrows singed off. He had an inch of his hair burned off. And like I said, it's amazing mischievous kids survive childhood, but it just makes me laugh that she looked at him and she's like, Jesus told me. Right. Go look in the mirror and you'll see how Jesus (laughs) told me. Trevor spent a life wanting friends, but never being part of anything. He would peek in on other families. He said that he was the peeping Tom of friendship. He was bullied, seriously bullied. One time bullied to the point that... Some kids were eating berries around this mulberry tree in the middle of town, and they started pelting Trevor with the berries, calling him names and threatening him. He ran home, and his mom just laughed because he said, with the stain from the berry juices on him, that he was finally half white and half black. Definitely not the reaction he wanted. Right. He told his stepfather what happened, and he only made the situation worse for Trevor, not to mention he would show his true character, his stepdad, had Trevor point out the ringleader, and then I'll just say roughed him up until he apologized to Trevor. When the father of the bully came to their house later that night, Abel, the stepfather, threatened to kill him too. And really that was only a sign of what, you know, a little foreshadowing what's to come. So many times Abel, who was um, Trevor's stepfather, would beat Trevor's mom, but calling the police was useless. They had done it so many times, and each time they blamed his mother for provoking it that she somehow deserved it. Oh, man. Each and every time. Definitely an old boys club. So many times they tried to press charges, but the police wouldn't hear of it. It was on again, off again as far as the relationship. Like many victims of domestic violence, she kept going back. Trevor, finally in adulthood, had had enough, and he just couldn't partake in it anymore. He, He couldn't... They had another child together, and he didn't understand why she would ever be with him. So, one night, he got a phone call from his cousin saying his mother had been shot. Abel was planning to kill the entire family and himself. His first shot hit her in the booty, 
she's kneeling in front of him, just praying to Jesus, I'm sure, when the gun shot four more times, clicking instead of firing. She raced to the car to escape, and they almost did. His last shot went through her head, and according to his little brother that was in the car, you know, the windshield was just covered in blood, so you would assume that she's dead. Trevor raced to the hospital, obviously fearing the worst. The doctor would say that he doesn't use the word miracles, but he was in a state of shock as to how the bullet could come so close to everything important in her brain and not kill her, or at least cause permanent damage. Trevor couldn't stop sobbing at the hospital, you know, when he saw her, and, and she told him to stop, that everything would be all right, and he should be happy, because now he was the most attractive person in the family. (laughs) I just love that she used her sense of humor in it all. Totally. On top of that, I guess she was released four days later. Holy moly, that's And on top of that, she went back to work in seven. Wow. This woman. Wow. His mother had dropped her insurance, deciding insurance was a scam. So when Trevor arrived at the hospital, they informed him that she couldn't stay there without insurance. They wouldn't be able to assist her. I mean, they wouldn't take care of her. They would move her to a state hospital. Of course, Trevor is freaking out, saying that she would die if that if they did that. He passed him his credit card, and they said that uh, and told them to do whatever they needed to do to save her. Hospital staff kept questioning the decision, noting it would be very costly, and he'd be like, "Do whatever, do whatever," and they'd be like, "You don't understand what they're going to have to." And it reminded me so much of the time our little skipper he got hit by a car on Mother's Day one year. We raced him to the emergency vet, and they said they'd work up a quote. And get back to us to see if we wanted to do something. You know, what we wanted to choose to do. Yeah. And I was in a state of shock and said, you know, do whatever they needed to do to save the dog. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I'll sell a kidney or or something. Do whatever to pay. You know, you don't know what it's going to cost. But, like, it's a family member. And that was for my cute little dog, Mojo. I can't imagine how Trevor Noah felt about them questioning whether he wanted to take on... You know, such a large expense for his mother. Obviously, she survived, as I said. And I don't even think the hospital bill ended up being that much. When she was released, he reminded her how lucky she was to be alive. You know, he's telling Trevor that. And and he scolded her for a bit for not having insurance. She said she had insurance. Jesus was her insurance. If God was with her, who could be against her? And I love his reply. You know, for once, I cannot argue with you. The gun, the bullets, I can't explain any of it. So I'll give you that much. Then he added, you know, where was Jesus (laughs) to pay the hospital bill? She smiled back and said, you're right. He didn't. He blessed me with a son who did. Which is adorable. So sweet. Just so much more in this book. That just touches on a few of the things. Like I said, I'm thrilled that a high school in Beaverton has a class reading it because it addresses. Yeah. It is. Relationship, too. I think that's a neat relationship. The mom, absolutely. I just loved all of it. But dealt with a lot of hard topics. Apartheid, bullying, crushes and heartbreak. Yeah. um, The Holocaust alcoholism, abuse, you know, stuff I didn't really get into, but the book does. In part, knowing, you know, that that was in there kept me from reading the book for so long. I wasn't ready to hear the painful stories, but now in hindsight, I wish I'd read them sooner. There's no denying there's a lot of pain in the world. 
but I so admired his humorous take on things, and he clearly got that from his mother. I love that he dedicated his book to his mom. He, it was for my mother, my first fan. Thank you for making me a man. I just think Aww. that's so sweet. Yeah. The ugly side of it, though, is the years of domestic abuse she endured, even though she was strong and powerful. I don't get that. I'm not saying that with judgment. Right. More so that I'd love to sit down and talk with her about it. Domestic violence is a sad reality. Trevor and his mom remind me that I'm a whole lot tougher than I think I am. And hard situations are much easier with a sense of humor. For sure. For sure. I need to be better about laughing at stuff. I must say, too, that I found myself asking what Patricia would do in certain (laughs) circumstances after reading this book. She was one tough mom. And though we might not see discipline the same... I still think I could learn a whole lot from her. And even though I love her take on things, I will definitely still be keeping my insurance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived. It's what difference we have made to the lives of others. Nelson Mandela. Real quick before I do my short. Yeah. Back in episode 10, we talked about Dolly Parton. And you sent me a notice or, you know, just a little thing that um, she's in Dollywood. She's paying for all of her, any employee that wants to go to college to go to school. Awesome. So So not only the Imagination Library, but now she's offering pretty much scholarships to her employees. So no wonder everyone loves her. I know. I (laughs) want to move there and. And stay in school forever. Yeah. Um, also, in episode 56, we talked about Nate Boyer, who oh, was yeah. the guy who talked Colin Kaepernick into kneeling. Spike Lee is going to do, I was just reading, he's going to do a, like a documentary on Colin oh, Kaepernick coming up. So that would be really those are good. just little updates with yeah. people we've talked about. But we've done quite a few stories about para-athletes already. There was Melissa Stockwell in episode 7. Episode 15, we talked about Wesley Hamilton. Episode 35 with Team Hoyt. Oh, yeah. Craig Blanchett in episode 38. Episode 43, which has both blind runner David Brown and Todd Vogt, who is rowing with Parkinson's. And then there was an episode um, with runner Veronica Silva Hippolito in episode 61. So what is it about para-athletes that's so inspiring? For me, I've always been inspired by athletes who work so hard to be at the top of their field. To be a great athlete, it takes dedication, willpower, hard work, and for sure, sacrifice. For a para-athlete, the challenge is even greater. There's a spirit that goes with it. You have a world that says that these people have limitations and they can't do what's you know normal. And the athletes, they say, nobody else is going to set limits for me. They do things that nobody thinks they can. They defy expectations. They break through barriers. They follow their dreams. That's what inspires me. When the world says, this is not for you, they do it anyway. And that's what I love. Yeah. Jamal Hill is one of those athletes who inspires me. Jamal Hill started off swimming at 10 months old. So little. I've probably mentioned this before, but I was a swim team kid, played water polo, was a lifeguard, and I taught swim lessons in a class that you know, always I loved was Baby and Me, Aww, which was a class yeah. designed. I did that. Your kids, <laughs> yeah. um, to get babies accustomed to the water. You'd sing songs, which I hated that part. But, right. Yeah. Um, these super cute little babies are in the water splashing while the parents sing, and it's just so much fun. 
That's how Jamal Hill started with a baby and me class with his mom. His mom constantly had him in lessons, and by the time he was six or seven, he had started swim team. So not long after starting swim team, he started to win meets. When he was 10, he kept dislocating his shoulder while swimming. Jamal's mom took him to the doctor, and the doctor told his mom that he was overusing his arm and that he'd have to mobilize it for a while to allow it to heal. On a trip to visit family for Thanksgiving with his parents, Jamal had his arm fall asleep and he was unable to wake it. Shortly after that, his other arm started getting weaker and he he felt lethargic. So his parents took him to the ER where he underwent medical testing. He was eventually diagnosed with Charcot-Marie tooth disease, which despite the name has nothing to do with teeth. Charcot-Marie tooth is a degenerative nerve disorder that causes muscle weakness and atrophy. It can also cause abnormal tightening of muscles. It causes damage to the nerves, which carries signals to the brain and the spinal cord and the muscles. Jamal had to learn to walk again and had to adapt to his new body. His parents would say to him, no matter what it is, if you practice, you'll be better than before. I love how supportive that is. When Jamal was in his sophomore year in high school, he started uh, at a new school which had a swim team, and of course he joined. His first year he swam just during the season. By the time he was a senior, he was swimming seven months out of the year and won districts in the 50-yard freestyle. Keep in mind, Jamal, who's now 26, still had numbness, had weakness from his knees to his toes, and he can't really feel his feet. He'd injured his ankles more than 200 times from simply rolling them. He had a hard time lifting his feet when he walks, and he can't even jump. Yet he's out winning these races in the pool. He started swimming in college, but didn't didn't do well. His poor performance at the college level caused him to have a depression, you know, to send him into a depression, but didn't make him give up on his dream of swimming competitively. He asked his parents if they'd be okay to he put college on hold for a while so that he could focus on swimming, and his parents agreed. I love how supportive his parents were. He left college in Ohio and started swimming with a program at the University of Southern California. His coach at USC that um, noted that he swam like somebody with cerebral palsy. For the first time, he confided in a coach and told him about his Charcot-Marie tooth disease. That led the coach coming up with a completely different training Uh regimen that worked in more rests and fewer laps. That's great. I mean, the that I I like that with the honesty, you know, he could grow. Right. He got connected with the U.S. Paralympic team in 2018 and swam in the Tokyo Summer Paralympic Games in 2021, bringing home the bronze in the 50-meter freestyle. Oh, awesome. So he also took first place in the 100-meter freestyle and the 50-meter freestyle and finished second in the 100-meter backstroke. And in the 2018 U.S. Paralympic Swimming National Championship, followed by taking second in the 100-meter freestyle at the 2019 World Para Swimming World Series. He's currently training for the 2024 Paralympics. Oh, wow. All of this is super inspiring. But that's not the, you know, I love that he didn't let the disease stop his dreams. That despite having serious obstacles that would made you know, a lot of us give up. He perseveres. My favorite part about this guy is that he is giving back. Jamal Hill started the Swim Uphill Foundation that started a goal of teaching a million people a year worldwide how to swim. I love that. 
Many low to middle income areas do not have much in the way of affordable swim lessons. The Swim Uphill Foundation is meant to bring swim education to populations that have historically not have had haven't had much yeah, and have limited access to swim lessons. It's intended to help overcome cultural fears of swimming. And education is not just in the pool, but by providing books and videos about swimming to help overcome generational fears of swimming. And I think a lot of that. Well, it's such a life skill. I mean, I I I, I don't know, as a parent, I always feel like everyone needs to know how to swim. Yeah. Well, and he, he, they kind of, you know, pivoted with COVID and have done some things online, but and I know my mom doesn't like me reminding people that she's not a super strong swimmer. She was afraid of the water, and that's why she had us in, you know, the water at an early age so that we wouldn't be afraid of the water. And that's why I'm super grateful to my mom for that. And I love seeing Jamal try to give that same gift to millions of people yeah, out there. I just awesome. think that's amazing. Awesome. Don't cry about your past. Life is full of pain. Let the pain sharpen you, but don't hold on to it. Don't be bitter. Trevor Noah. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.